Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Buddy, we are still talking NBA basketball, but we're going to put a wrap on this season. Jerry, Ryan, coming up in one moment. Oh, yes, and this will be uh, the last time we meet for a while as the NBA season is in the books. The Denver Nuggets are world champs. Jerry Rhino, gentlemen, good to see you. And, Jerry, you know, you and I were just talking a minute ago. uh, We are thrilled for a man that we know and got to know when he was with Sacramento, Michael Malone. I mean, I don't know what else you can say other than congratulations. Yeah, just a marvelous uh, job he's done there all the time he's been there. You know, he's a coach's coach. You know, I mean, uh, I always thought I don't think that Kings have ever had a coach, you know, so enthusiastic and hardworking. I mean, that guy took it to new levels, and you see it there in Denver. You know, I mean, he the, the team really has taken his personality, and uh, yeah, I've, I honestly I've been about as nervous during this series as I was if the Kings were playing because <laughs> of, because of Michael. Yeah, Ryan, what do you take from that five game series and the win by Denver? Uh, just how dominant Denver is in terms of the system they run, the leadership from top to bottom. I mean, they, they had every guy that they needed to have, whether it was in the starting five or coming off the bench, step up at the right times. So, uh, just incredible win about time. Many would say with Jokic, um, but very happy for Mike Malone. I mean, what an incredible coach and somebody that keeps those guys focused all the time. Jerry Michael obviously grew up in a basketball family. His dad, Brendan, longtime uh, assistant coach, brief head coach. But how much do you see of Michael and Brendan? Did you get to know Brendan well much during your career? I know he was with Sacramento for that brief period of time and then left before the season began. But did you did you have uh, any type of friendship with Brendan Malone? Yeah, I knew Brendan very well. You know, our paths crossed a lot uh, over the years. And, and like you say, you know, just a marvelous uh, coaching career. You know, obviously got with a bad team as a head coach and and you don't win if you don't have players. But, you know, he was with the championship Pistons teams and a key guy, uh, you know, just a yeah, just like, uh, you know, you see a lot of uh, uh, Michael in him, you know, yep. uh, Brendan, straight shooter. Uh, you know, he's going to tell you what he thought and you could like it, lump it or dump it, you know, but uh, always nothing but respect. 
When you say, Jerry, that you don't win without good players, is that maybe is that based on experience or did someone tell you that? You know, I found that early in life, even before the NBA and the NBA is the ultimate example of that. Uh, You know, you you can kind of trick it in college and different things sometimes with scheduling and a few things. But uh, in the NBA, if you don't have some top level players, you're not going to win. Now, even in college, so you're telling me when you had Bob McAdoo and Footsie Walker on on your team, it made you a better coach? Is that what you're telling me? Well, yeah, it made, uh, you know, I slept like a baby most of the time. (laughs) So, you know, you don't always have it to where you're just way better than everybody. And, of course, I had some years where we weren't way better than everybody, even though we were knew we could win most of them. Oh, my gosh. Ryan, Nikola Jokic, where's he on the the greatness of players right now in the NBA? Because uh, people in our profession and fans, they always like to talk about, you know, who's the best player in the league? Who's the best player in the league? And it will change from time to time, although I think for the last 20 years, it's really been LeBron James. But yeah. w- where's, where's Nikola Jokic on the tree right now? Well, he's number one on the most unassuming, if you see him yeah. in the layup line, right? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, he he is right up there with the best in the league. I mean, the guy can do everything, Grant, and he's such a team guy as well. And I, I think that he is so focused on one thing, and that is basketball. You saw that after the game. He just, even when they won the championship, just wanted to get in the locker room. Oh, wait, there's a parade? When parade? Um, but, no, he, he is certainly a game changer. And for a big man, he, he's one of those bigs that just comes along once in a generation, really. Yeah. And so I think you're watching greatness if you're a young person watching basketball right now because you're not going to see another Jokic for a really long time. Jerry, does he remind you of anyone that you've seen over your years of the NBA basketball? You know, he, I, he doesn't really. He is kind of a one of one. Yeah. You know, the the only player that plays somewhat like him is uh, Sabonis, and of course, he's much mm-hmm. smaller and and uh, certainly not not the player that uh, that j- the Joker is. But uh, you know, it's just such an amazing thing. You know, where a guy was the forty first pick in the draft the first couple of years. I mean, a lot of people weren't sure he could play. I, you know, I remember the Kings playing one game where I don't think he scored early in his career. That's and, right. You know, to, to to go from that to being clearly, you know, one of the two or three best players in the world at, at worst, it's just remarkable credit to 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 his work ethic and his skill. Highly skilled guy. I mean, I was talking with Whitey Gleason this morning on the radio, and I just said, you know, he's one of those guys you know, the greats that would, his game would have translated back in the seventies, you know, when it was a very physical low post game, uh, you know, no three point shot, all that stuff. He would have been great then too with, the, with those guys. I'll tell you what else I loved about this series are the best players on the respective teams, Jimmy Butler for Miami and Nikola Jokic for Denver. Whenever they talked to the media, it was never about them. It was always about the team. And when they did not play well, it was always me. You know, I need to be better. Jimmy Butler, particularly. Jimmy mm-hmm. never wanted to be patted on the back. It was always about, hey, you know what? Our team's been doing this. Our team is about this. It's team, team, team. When they lost, Jimmy was like, you know, if I played better, we would have won. So refreshing in this day and age for players Ryan, I'll start with you on this. You're younger and maybe you have a different perspective than Jerry and I do. I just love that. I find that so damn refreshing because we live now very often in a me, me, me culture. And these guys are all about the team. 
Yeah, Grant. In fact, you know, it's not just words. Their words actually translate to actions. If you look yeah. at both of their games, you know, they're such great distributors. Um, they're leaders of their teams and, and they're really responsible for facilitating everything that their teams do on offense, whether it's Jimmy driving and kicking, whether it's Jokic hitting those cutting lanes. So it is very refreshing to see that. And, you know, some of the best basketball teams we think about, the best we've ever seen, they have players like this. They have teams like this where every Everybody gets a share of the pie. They distribute the ball well, and it's great basketball to watch. Jerry, did you, that strike you at all, those two individuals, when how they conduct themselves in terms of how they deal with the media? Yeah, absolutely. And as you pointed out, I think with Jimmy, you know, obviously there again, you know, a low draft pick that that early in his career, nobody saw major stardom coming, but there it is. And I think those kind of guys uh, appreciate it different, act different about it, but but I, the one thing too I thought with Jimmy uh, and was, you know, he he did have some ankle problems, but they tried to ask him about it. He never, you know, would never accept it. No, I'm great. I'm 100. percent You know, no no cop out, no excuses. Ask for, wanted, or even allowed. And uh, you know, those those two guys. I mean, really, they need more of them. Need need more more guys like that in this league. Uh. These franchises will start with Denver. They still look like guys, and Ryan, they look like they're set up really well for the future when you look at the makeup of their team. Yeah, they are set up really well, Grant. I, I, we'll see what happens, though, because it changes on a year-to-year basis. I think it's sure too early for a lot of these people to be talking about dynasties and things yeah. like that. Because look how long it's taken Denver to get to the top of the hill. You uh-huh. know, I mean, we're talking about a team that was under immense pressure to win a championship this year or else there could have been a very drastic team on the floor next year. But um, they're certainly set up as good as anybody to make another run at it next year. And anytime you have Jokic, Murray, when those two are healthy, watch the heck out. What do you think, Jer? Yeah, you know, that when the whole thing, when the playoffs started, you know, we talked about it, especially myself saying, you know, there's just nobody in the West that the Kings need to be a, be scared of. Yep. Well, here, here's my problem. I'm scared of Denver right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Kings right now, if 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 Denver's healthy and, and they don't lose key guys like Brown, uh, you know, uh, they're, a, they're a, 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 head, a class ahead of everybody else in the West. Correct. And, uh, you know, injuries always change things. But, yeah, I guess my point would be the Kings aren't nearly good enough right now to beat those guys. That's a great point. Miami, on the other hand, is, you know, they've got now age that is factoring and that really plagued them this year with injuries. And I I really think the makeup of their team finishing, you know, eight getting into the play in. So I I think Miami's in a whole different situation, Jerry, when I look at their roster. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, obviously, Tyler Hero, uh, they missed him to some degree. Uh, But, but I mean, it'd be hard to sit there if you're Pat Riley and, bolster thinking that we can you know we can win a championship with this roster uh and i think yeah. you know knowing uh, pat that he knows that he's gonna they're gonna be trying to do things you know there are already rumors of of damian lillard and somebody like that and uh yeah. but then, then again you know if, if you started to playoffs over in the east you you'd still pick milwaukee or boston over absolutely i mean yes, you, you just would, would. Yes, and would. and so so uh, yeah, their their situation is different, and uh, they'll be good, and they'll be a winning team. But it'd be hard to see them any more than a fifth or sixth seed. 
I think the next big news in the NBA, guys, will be the announcement from the NBA as it relates to John Moran. Adam Silver made it clear that they were going to wait until after the NBA Finals. And to me, that means waiting until after the uh, championship parade that I believe is scheduled for Friday in Denver. And I would expect that decision. We had the draft coming up next week, so I don't know if the commissioner wants to take away from that. But I would think it would be better to do it right before the draft than right after the draft when everyone's talking about who picked two. But don't you think, guys, that that will be coming down the pike next week? I think it has to, and I, I, I'm with you. I think the sooner he does it, the better. I don't yep. think it would really impact the draft. The draft is its own animal. You're right. You know, where, where teams, yep. you know, that 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 to me, that's just different. I mean, John right. Morant's one player, and, you know, there'll be some discussion. Did he get enough penalty, uh, enough – suspension, all that. Everybody will have an opinion on that. But, uh, yeah, I think that'll be a 48-hour story at the most. All right, if I told you guys, if I threw out the number 40, are you going under or over with the number of games he suspended, Rhino? Uh, I'm going to go under. Uh, I think I, I've heard the between the 18 and 30 number tossed out there. Um, from a couple reports, but I, I think it's probably going to be in that range. I think 40 is a lot considering it is a second offense, but now with the talk of it possibly being a fake gun, you don't know if that's changed the investigation at all, whether they take a second look at that. But I, I think that either way we cut it, he's going to be missing significant time. I don't know why it would take a month to have a report that it was a fake gun. That That doesn't yeah, again, I understand that that would maybe make a difference in some people's mind, but the act of stupidity in his behavior yes. with repeated incidents, you know, all that up. Jerry, under or over with 40? I'd say under. I kind of agree with uh, Ryan. I mean, I, I, I see 25, 30 game suspension. I mean, I I mean, it is a second offense. And, and you know, I think he will. The big thing he'll be told probably one, three strikes, you may be out. Yeah. And so uh, so and and I mean, there's a point where it's one thing to punish Morant and I get that. But I don't know if it's fair to punish Memphis mm. uh, and the Grizzlies and their fans and that sort of thing. And it's, there's a point where you may be doing that. Yeah, okay. I, I also I think one thing to look at here, I think a key to this suspension is does it disqualify him from postseason awards? And I think it's going to be right around that number. Will it will disqualify him from postseason mm -hmm. awards? I think that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, uh, me either. I, that's, that's, that's a nice punishment. You're right, because he is a guy that's going to garner in all likelihood, you know, postseason awards. Uh, if he's healthy, he's that good, you know? Wow. All right, we had the draft next week. And then a few days after, we have free agency for the Sacramento Kings. Ryan, what's on your wish list? Not necessarily the name of a player, but the type of a player. And if you have a name, that's fine. But I'm talking about, you know, what what type of a player, what position would you, would you think the Kings need to go after? Sure. Well, I mean, obviously, everything kind of depends on Harrison Barnes. And I would like yeah. the Kings to make that decision sooner rather than later. But regardless of what Harrison does, uh, we definitely need a – four slash five, in my opinion, that can play with Domas or play on his own when Domas is out. Um, I would love to see somebody that at times they could play together. 
um, and can defend, do a little bit of shot blocking um, and just be athletic. You know, they can guard multiple positions. I also want to see a backup point guard. Grant, you and I have talked about yeah. this for a very long time. They need a veteran presence in the locker room and somebody that can come in and really study that team when De'Aaron is on the bench. So I'm hoping they address those two positions. Jerry, what do you think? Well, I, I agree. I mean, I think they need a four or five guy that that can fit with Domas. And of course, I have a guy that I like, Matt Nyes Reed, Minnesota, yep. you know, and shoot threes. He's very physical, can uh, guard centers as well as fours. He's a free agent. I mean, I don't, I mean, obviously Minnesota wants to keep him as other teams do too. But anyway, that type of player, I think is what, what the Kings need. And, and I think too, uh, uh, in my mind, they need a, a long defensive guard, you know, preferably a point, somebody that could be what you call a lead guard. It wouldn't have to be a total playmaker, but, but I think just defensively to, to play, you know, better with Fox, you know, that can really cover the tough guys uh, better, you know, somebody, you know, just use, use the name. It's not the player necessarily, but Derek White of uh, Boston comes to mind, that kind of player that can, that you can trot out there and guard ones, twos, and if you switch, he can cover threes and he can get you in the offense, that sort of thing. Father's Day coming up on Sunday. I'm doing a podcast on Friday about the uh, impact that my dad had on me and my career and sports. Ryan, I've met your dad. Ryan's dad is a pilot. Jerry, I never met your dad, but the impact, that, what kind of impact did he have on you and your your love for basketball or other sports. What was it like growing up? What 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 influence did your dad have on you from a sports perspective? Well, you uh, know, he, uh, yeah, he uh, he helped me uh, certainly encourage me to play sports. You know, all those deals. We live in the country, so he he and would drive me and my brothers and neighbors sometime into town to play play. My dad, uh, I haven't talked about this a lot. But my dad was a professional boxer, and. Oh. Uh, he uh, he really wanted me to be a fighter, and uh, wanted me to actually took me to wanted me to fight Golden Gloves, and I went, you know, and it's really one of his big disappointments when I just said I don't want to do this. I uh -huh. I figured out, you know, when I was 16 years old that I was already, you know, kind of a star in that area, you know, and 3,000 people watched me play or something, as opposed to, you know, I don't care who you are, getting hit in the head hurts, and. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I remember telling my mom, I said, I know dad wants me to be a fighter, but man, I don't want to do this. Uh, you know, she said, I'll take care of it. And so, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, dad, dad was okay with it, you know, I mean, cause I was in, you know, I was good in sports. And, and so, you know, it was just like, he came to admit, you know, it's kind of his thing. It wasn't my thing, but uh, you know, he'd always stay in the background, never, uh, the thing that always struck me, he would always, always tell me when after games and stuff of how good my teammates were, you know, it always tell me how good my teammates were. And uh, I'd always say, I remember asking, always ask moms, how come he never saying good about me? And all he does is brag to everybody else about you. Why, <laughs> there's no reason why he should brag to you. <laughs> so anyway, that's Israel Reynolds. Like I said, man, he, I'm become more like him. Like he said, he's late in life. He said, if it ain't in Orange County, Indiana, I don't need it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much you, how I'm getting to be. Yeah. 
Uh, my dad had a really big impact. Um, you know, he he really enforced in me that if you're going to do something, you have to do it right. And he was kind of an underdog. He played football. Um, he was actually an offensive lineman. Grant, you met him. He's not a big guy. Yep, right. um, and he was all city. So anytime I wanted to do something, whether it was football, basketball, he put me through the drills. He put me in different situations. And if I made the team or if I went out for the team, you stayed on that team and you saw the season through, whether it was good or bad. And uh, that's something that's carried on with me through life, regardless of sport or anything else that I'm doing. Jerry, you met my dad, uh, you, my dad, whenever you would uh, come out to Sacramento or be at uh, Madison Square Garden. He loved talking with you. It's funny you make that story uh, because like when I used to go home, whether I was at uh, Bowling Green or after, because when I left, when I walked out of that house to go to college in 1977, I never came back. I never lived there. I was, that's it. I went to college in Ohio. And then after that worked in Ohio. And then I was home for a brief period of time when the radio station in Bowling Green was sold. But then I uh, ended up getting a job in Decatur and then moved out to uh, California. And it's funny that you say that, Jerry, because, you know, whenever I used to go home, everybody knew my whole life story and everyone, what I was doing, my dad used to tell everybody <laughs> everything, Jerry, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I really did enjoy your dad. What a, what a knowledgeable sports fan he was, yep. you know, I mean, it, so, you know, we could get into, you know, as you know, I really get into sports trivia a lot and, and I don't think there was ever anything he didn't know, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I always knew after uh, getting talked to dad, I, I kind of started to understand you better, which is very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, Jerry. You know, I, it, but, but I'm grateful for my dad that uh, he was able to help you uh, tolerate me and understand me. Okay, thank you. He, okay. he did all he could. That's all I could ask for. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I say that, you know, we talk about the Kings and I, I know Jerry will tell you this, Ryan, um, when you're with a franchise for as long as we were, uh, the people that you work with uh, become family. And you know their spouses, their kids, their moms, their dads. You know when people aren't doing well. You know when people are sick. You know when people are having difficult times. You know when kids are having problems in school. I mean, it really is yeah. like your family. And the reason why I bring this up is, you know, Gary Gerald, uh, he lost his dad at a, at a fairly young age. And he always used to tell me um, after, and he knew my dad very well and would talk to my dad, you know, often when he was around. And I always remember, I always remember, G-Man saying, you know, just don't ever forget, you know, you were so lucky that you still have your dad with you and he's still active and, uh, and, and, and Gary didn't have that. So that's why I like to always talk about Father's Day. You know, I used to have my dad on my radio show in Sacramento uh, the Friday before every Father's Day talking about, yeah. you know, all of the great, <laughs> all the great people that he watched. Jerry, was your father, did he watch a lot of sports or was it for him just about boxing, boxing, boxing? No, you know, of course, boxing was his first love, but no, he became a, he was always a, a lifetime Cubs fan, mm. uh, which is strange in French Lake, Indiana. But then I didn't realize until he told me, he said, the reason it was is because when he started following sports or baseball, you know, the Cubs actually did spring training in French Lake, Indiana. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, wow. During uh, World War II. Wow. Uh, the teams didn't travel as much, and the Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds both both trained in French Lick in the early 40s. And so that he just started following then. And of course, I'd always say, you know, Dad, how can you be a Cubs fan? They never win. And he said, 
let me explain something to you, boy. Uh, I'm a Cubs fan, and I'll always be a Cubs fan. So you just, you know, that's that's all I want to talk about about that. How about and that? Is it? How about that, Ryan? Who's your dad's favorite teams? Seattle Seahawks, hundred uh, percent. He is a huge twelfth man. He has been with them for a very, very long time. Steve Largen days. So uh, we are big Seahawks fans in the house. And then basketball Kings. Uh, he was at first game for both Arco arenas. So uh, I always get to hear those stories. Yeah, I've always thought, for the most part, and Jerry's an exception. You would root for the teams that your dad rooted for. Jerry, when you say that, surprising. A lot of the people where you lived uh, in Southern Indiana were Cardinal fans. Is that correct? They'd be Cardinal or Cincinnati fans. One okay, or the other. Uh, and you know, being the the knothead that I, I've always been, my first major league game I saw was in uh, an uncle took it lived in uh, in uh, Chicago area. He right. took me and dad to a Cubs game, and it was the Milwaukee Braves. And so I became a Milwaukee Braves fan. Eddie Matthews was my hero, and Hank Aaron was a rookie in 1954. And so, you know, it's one of those deals that's like, you know, typical of me at that time. You know, had to be something different than my dad, you know. Yeah. Just to, you know, and so, of course, I turned on the Braves later when they moved to Atlanta. So, uh, you know, that ship sailed in. Well, I'll uh, release that podcast coming up on uh, Friday. So I hope everybody can uh, look forward to that. And I uh, hope you had a chance to listen to yesterday's podcast called 24 Hours Talking About. And Jerry, again, I go back to you on this. People always ask me what was the best part of being involved in pro sports for such a long time. And I always say, well, the relationships, the friendships, the people that you meet, uh, the people that you still are friendly with years later. And Jerry, I always talk about this with you. I always thought one of the biggest joys for you in doing our job, particularly as a broadcaster, because you have a lot more time and less responsibilities leading up to the game, were the number of people that you would chat with, whether it was in the media room or on the bench before the game that you would only see when we visited that city, whether it was their coach, their assistant coach, um, somebody like Sam Smith, okay, the great mm-hmm writer in Chicago and you used to love going to Chicago and talking to him. And I, I always thought when you stopped doing this, that that's one of the things that you would miss the most. Well, it is. And it has been, I mean, uh, you know, I enjoy the games, uh, but I, I, I don't, I miss the, I miss that interaction, you know, and, and of course, a lot of the people I, w- I was close to really are no longer involved in the league or have passed, you know, the, some of the coaches that I just thought the world of the Jerry Sloan's yeah. and Phil John. I mean, they're just, so, you know, my time has come and went, but there was a period as you point out there, especially during the broadcasting where I probably knew everybody in the league yep. and, and certainly knew the people I wanted to know. And it was just very enjoyable, very enjoyable. And then that, that applied to, you know, Sacramento workers and employees as well. But you know, that, uh, you know, as you as you age, you, you know that's what you have is your memories, and and uh, like I say, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I love Jerry going to Boston when we talked to Danny Ainge, and we would just sit there and hoot and holler. <laughs> Jerry, that those those I miss those visits uh, maybe the most. The, the conversations we had with Danny. <laughs> oh yeah, Danny. I mean, he's one of one in a zillion, and we, you know, like I say, he's one of my f- favorite guys I ever coached. You know, because 
you know, he was definitely smarter than me and uh, <laughs> a terrific player. But we, but you know, it was like me, kind of like to have fun with people and and joke around and jerk everybody's uh, chain a little bit. So yeah, I was, you know, Danny and Danny, you know, I'm, as you know, hadn't changed a bit. You know, no. I mean, he's he's no. kind of like me. He just got older. He didn't. <laughs> He didn't change or mature. He just got older. Ryan, I always tell the story. Um, when when Danny played with the Kings, uh, they had a house out in Granite Bay. And Danny loved playing tennis, too. And Jerry had been over to his house uh, <laughs> playing tennis with Danny. And I got to be friendly with Danny. And then he invited me over to play tennis. And Jerry goes, I'm just going to give you one word of advice. I go, watch that. He goes, don't miss a line call. If it's close, okay, it goes in his favor. All right. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't call a ball that's close on him out. Okay. Or else you will regret it. So he goes, I'm just, I'm just giving you that word of advice. That's how damn competitive Ainge was, even playing tennis, right, Jerry? <laughs> oh, yeah. He did, did everything, you know, 100%. You know, that's who he was, one of the all time great athlete, super competitor is, you know, as he proved during his basketball career. And like I always say, you know, he got, so he, he, he just loved beating the crap out of me and he got so he'd beat the crap out of me left-handed, you know, he just oh my gosh. wanted to make, you know, it's like, <laughs> holy cow, you, you know, you're trying to squeeze blood, blood out of the turnip here. You're beating the yep. crap out of me. Can you just, <laughs> you know, ease up a little, but uh, that wasn't Danny. You know, Ryan, the other thing about these conversations that you would have, I learned a lot and I learned stories that I could not believe that I heard. Like Jerry loved Cotton Fitzsimmons, worked with Cotton. Uh, and whenever we went to Phoenix, I mean, I used to just love being in the neighborhood, being in the area where I could listen to Jerry and Cotton speak. And I learned a lot, things that happened previously in the NBA. And I would be listening to them talk about that. And I was like, wow, because very often, particularly coaches now, they'll tell you things in these casual conversations that they would never tell the media or anyone else because there was a trust factor. Sure. So, you know, Jerry, that was very true. I used to just love eavesdropping because I learned a lot. I mean, there was amazing. Some of the things you all would talk about. Yeah. You know, with cotton, of course, we went back some of the same steps. He'd been a junior college coach in Moberly, Missouri, and then went to K state. And it's very successful everywhere. And, and of course the pros. And so, you know, he knew, you know, kind of, we kind of went the same direction kind of thing. And, and uh, so we had a lot of stories, you know, from the minor league, so to speak. And, and, you know, we kind of spoke the same language, but of course he was a marvelous coach, had a lot of success in the NBA, but you know, the thing I always, I always remember my last good memory about coaching that gets caught. And I know we late in the year, one year, they were real good and, and, and we weren't, but we beat them at home. Uh, Brad Lowhouse had a career game like 29 points. You know, he couldn't get 29 in 10 games normally, but and we beat him. And Cotton came up after the game. He said, "said You better enjoy this one because there's going to be big time playback payback in a couple of weeks." <laughs> and in a couple of weeks, and we were on a three game winning streak. Went into Phoenix, and we were down 63 to 28 at the half. I think it was, and uh, I mean. Thunder Dan Marley and the boys was uh, just uh, punishing us, just yeah. punishing us. And, you know, so, yeah, I said, yeah, yeah, Cotton, I, I took you serious when you said it. You didn't have to do this. 
<laughs> See, Ryan, this was like this was uh, what it was like for me for decades listening to stories like this, man. I, I had the life, you know. It's priceless, Grant. I mean, it, it just it's cool to see the brotherhood behind the scenes that all of you had. And I think you hit on that keyword trust, right? Yep, trust. If you were in earshot, he knew you were in, in earshot, but he trusted you. You're in that brotherhood and, you know, you're not uh -huh. going to take that information anywhere else. So I love that. Well, you know, once you're in the league a number of years, uh, it's like a fraternity, but it's also word spreads. And not only that, coaches move to other franchises and they tell other coaches about certain individuals. So like for me, being on TV and having a radio show and having a national platform when I filled in for Romy, right. I mean, I would talk to a lot of coaches on opposing teams. And even if I had not met them, but I was around Jerry or around Vladi and Peja, who knew a lot of people, and we would chat, uh, they just didn't have a problem saying certain things around me. And I do think, Jerry, you know this, Trust is the most important thing when you're in professional sports. I mean, if people don't trust you, they're not telling you a damn thing. No, it, it, it starts right there. I always felt like, you know, when, you, when, when I was involved in trades or work that, like that, you know, talking to other scouts or GMs, they knew that they could tell me things that wouldn't be – would never get to the media. That's right. And I, and, and I knew the same thing about them. And, uh, you know, and so – you could have legitimate uh, conversations with people about important stuff, and uh, but it, it does. Uh, I mean, I, I think it, that's where it starts. I always yep. said my the only thing for me was uh, you know doing the games with coaches, Kings coaches. I, I always told people I, they'd say you don't seem to criticize. I said I'm not going to criticize a coach. I'm a homer. I want them to do well, and and they're my friends. So if you you're looking for somebody to criticize coach, you you need to go somewhere else. I ain't going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> just and I, and I I feel the same way now. I will never apologize for that. Yeah, I I got you. You know, I understand completely. I mean, the the reality is, um, there were Ryan. I can't even begin to tell you how many times Jerry said to me or I said to him in these conversations, you know, about trust, the things that we saw, and I would say, Jerry, can you imagine if the fans knew this? And, go, and Jerry would go, oh boy, or yeah. you, no, really, you know what I mean? Like there were so yeah. many things that we saw and heard that we would say, I'd go, Jerry, can you imagine if the fans knew this, if they knew the real story? I mean, well, we would say that all the time to each other. Well, well you know, uh, things we talked about, so I, people always say, you know, you, Jerry, you ought to write another book, you know? And, and I said, oh yeah, I could write Reynolds Remembers Everything as opposed to <laughs> Reynolds Remembers. And I said, the only problem was I would have to move up in the hills you get a shotgun on my lap and a couple of dogs, guard yeah. dogs. Yeah. Uh, or so, it would be published. It would be published on Jerry's last breath. That's when the book yeah. would be published. <laughs> well, that's, why, that's why there won't be one. <laughs> Reynolds remembers everything. By the way, that would be uh, several hundred pages, Rhino. Okay. Yeah, I believe that. it. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. And there would be a lot of people shaking in their boots on Reynolds Remembers Everything, okay? Oh, yeah. There would be a lot of people calling me before the book is published. I know that. But it's not yeah. going to happen because, uh, like I say, it would be probably be about the thickness of the Bible. So I, I, I won't go there. <laughs> hey, I want to tell everyone about Bennett's uh, Roseville, Sacramento, and very soon in Rockland. Uh, their prime seafood and steaks, they're great. Love it. Just get to Bennett's. And uh, check out their menu, Bennett'sRestaurants.com. That's Bennett'sRestaurants.com. Or uh, go in and visit 
one of their two locations. And again, coming to Rockland soon. That's Bennett'sRestaurants.com. Uh, Guys, uh, I've really enjoyed this this season. And Jerry, I want to give you a special thank you to uh, joining us each and every Wednesday during the season. And I really want to extend a, a, a real pat on the back for helping us out on uh, some of the post-game shows. Um, that was a big, big addition for us. We had thousands of people watching a lot of those shows. And so uh, I, I want to say thank you, Jerry. Really appreciate well, that. And, uh, well, well, thank you, you and Ryan. Yeah. I, I really did enjoy it. I mean, it really was a lot of fun for me. And and hopefully next year, if, if uh, mentally I'm still capable, uh, I'd love to do it again. So, uh, so we'll just wait and see. And your stipend, awesome. your stipend, I think, was mailed a couple of months ago. You know how long uh, the Postal Service takes, so I'm hoping that gets to uh, your <laughs> Roseville location within a couple of years, okay? Well, well, the LeBron uh, commercials makes up for it. So, uh, <laughs> so we're good. We're good. <laughs> we're good. Oh, my gosh. I'll tell you, Ryan, that was one of the funniest, most memorable times in uh, all the years oh. I've known Jerry when we did the uh, LeBron commercial for Nike. And yeah. uh, we thought we were just getting one check and it was not much. It was less than a thousand dollars, I think, you know, and we, we got it. And then um, I got a call one day from Jerry and he go, Hey, have you, did, have you been, did you get something from uh, uh, the commercial? Did you get another check? And I'm like, no. And he goes, well, you ought to go run down and check out your mailbox. And I did. And then two days later I'd call Jerry. I go, Jerry, have you been to your mailbox yet? And we literally, <laughs> we were, we were getting checks. We got, I don't know, four five, six. And the only bad thing was that commercial only ran for a couple of days and it, it ran the weekend before the first game. And the first time I saw it was on the NFL games. So Nike flooded the NFL game. So yeah. we were watching our commercials, watching NFL football, but then after the first game, it wasn't relevant anymore because it was a buildup to his first game in the right. NBA. And Jerry was like, Jerry and I, you know, just our luck, you know, we do a well, freaking commercial that only runs for a week, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, they should do a nostalgia thing. I mean, LeBron should be his last year coming up. They should have really run the first year. Yeah, absolutely. 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 I mean, my goodness. I think, uh, uh, you know, yeah. so probably won't. Ryan, Jerry and I spent the whole day at Arco with nobody there, basically, except for, I think, 50 fans, and they moved them around a little bit, but we weren't involved yeah. in that. LeBron wasn't there. Nobody else in the commercial was there. And we were there, and then after that, the only part that they used of Jerry and I that we were there all day was the part that we're actually on camera, okay? We're oh, on really? camera. You can go look up the commercial. Yeah, I've some. seen it, yeah. It's LeBron James' pressure commercial. And, oh, a couple of weeks later, they called me up and they go, listen, we need you to go to a studio in downtown Sacramento and voice over the commercial. I said, no problem. And again, so we were there from early in the morning until the end of the day doing all kinds of stuff. And they only ended up using the part where we're actually on camera that they shot that day. Isn't that amazing, Jerry, how that, that, yeah. that worked? Yeah, you know, and that's why we got as much money as we did. By You know, if you're on camera, <laughs> you have a speaking part yep. on camera. Yep. Uh, that, you know, that's a, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Like you said, you know, you you know, had a bunch of extras in there moving around. So when the, when it was played, you know, it looked like it was, the building was full and, uh, you know, so it was a yeah, neat experience. And, uh, you know, like I say, it goes into the top of my memory bank, but like I say, 
They should they should run it again. That's all well, I'm saying. I, I'll tell you as somebody growing up when, you know, I was, I think, first year of college when LeBron uh, came into the league, everybody remembers that commercial. That that was such an important commercial for the exact reason that you said, Grant. It was the lead up to the first game of yeah. LeBron, and he lived up to that hype. I mean, it's almost like it bled into the first game. Yeah. Um, and he comes out and has that big first quarter. But I, I would say that's one of the most important Nike commercials, LeBron James commercials they've ever had. Well, we enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And we enjoyed doing this, Jerry. Uh, happy Father's Day, Rhino. Happy Father's Day. Uh, thank thank you. you to both of you guys, man. Really have enjoyed this. Thank, thank you. And uh, look forward to next year. Yes, yep. sir. Thank you, Napes. Thank you, All Jerry. Right. See you guys. Take care. And uh, I want to say uh, thank you to everyone else. And I want to say thank you to uh, New Works Plumbing of Sacramento, locally owned for over 20 years. New Works has a fix for you. Go to sacserviceplumbing.com or call the number on your screen. That's New Works Plumbing. They've got a fix for you. And thank you for uh, joining us during these segments. If you uh, would not mind, give us a thumbs up. If you have not yet subscribed, please do so. And we would appreciate that. Thanks very much for being right here on If You Don't Like That. So long, everybody. <laughs>